off the top of Pride Rock. It's the IGN DigiGods. Please welcome two men who will eat your brains and gain your knowledge, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Yeah, here we are. Bob, who done wrote it? Benjamin Lactic Latanak. Somebody. Thanks, Bob. Bob gets confused. Some of those harder names, Bob just can't wrap his head around. Yeah, true. Well, anyway, Charlie Sheen is still self-destructing and doing weird things on the Internet, and we are back with more fun in the sun. I know. Poor Charlie. I know. You know, it's funny, too, because somehow there's we were talking about this earlier. There's two types of people. One who uh, there's a type of person who thinks that Charlie is just sick and everything he says is just a symptom of whatever's wrong with him. Yes. And then, the, the, then there's other people who think that he's is completely sane, but obviously brilliant. I mean, he's obviously different from us, more brilliant, more more incredible than you, the rest of us. You know, if, if those who think the latter part, um, being as I actually did grow up with Charlie a little bit, uh, I can tell you, if he became that brilliant, it happened just with basically since he started smoking crack. And somehow medical science, I don't think, validates that. I, uh, so. I'm just surprised that you think that uh, Charlie Sheen smokes crack. He admitted it. <laughs> yeah. He was banging eight gram, eight gram rocks. S- seven grams. Don't, was... don't make him, don't make him uh, hipper than he was or is. <laughs> or would be. Or would be. Or Blumens. Well, anyway, what do we have going on in the wonderful world? You know, you know interesting news. We mentioned some of this on uh, Stupid for Movies. Warner Brothers now making movies available on Facebook for Facebook credits, which I still don't understand. I, I, I don't really get that. There's like, oh, like tokens in an arcade. Is that what a Facebook credit is? Uh, you know what? I swear I had never heard of Facebook credits. It's the most bizarre thing ever. And then on top of that, we have Sony with this ridiculous app that shows you clips from movies. And uh, it's just an ongoing weird sequence of strange moves by studios to try and somehow squeeze even more pennies out of their libraries in the most uh, exploitative, undignified ways. I'm just kind of amazed. That is true. You know what? Uh, you know, It's all part of what we've been talking about, where the studios are. It's like what the record companies did about seven, eight years ago. They're scrambling. They're totally They don't know scrambling. what to do. They're in a bit of a panic. They're trying to figure it out. They're, they're coming up with all these ideas to try to monetize what they have, and they're just scrambling. And for in ideas. the process, they're devaluing their libraries. They're, de- they're devaluing them. They're deva- What needs to happen, frankly, and I know nobody wants to admit this, but uh, you know, there comes a time where certain business models don't work anymore, and certain businesses just go out of business, like Blockbuster, because what you do is no longer needed. And in some cases, uh, th- the economics just change. And I think the the, the giant corporations that own the studios. They need to acclimate themselves to the idea that the studios and their libraries are simply not as valuable a commodity any longer as they always hoped they would be. They always hoped that these would be these giant engines of product that would just drive billions and billions into their pockets and drive all these. And I think they need to just give up on the idea. Movies are are now not the preeminent form of American uh Free time. Well, there are that, lots of other things to do, and you need to just accept that it's it is a thing that people will do in their free time, but not the thing that people will do in their free time. Well, that's true, but I'll say this: that a lot of these studios feel like they're making hundreds of millions of dollars by selling just bulk movies to Netflix 
and some of these uh, yeah, streaming that, services. You know, the, the reason... Redbox. What everybody forgets is that the studios originally survived for decades and decades when there was no streaming, there was no DVD, there wasn't any television to speak of, certainly not a television market for movies. Uh, they, they thrived because the movies made their money in theaters, in first run, and maybe a little bit occasionally in re-release. And then they did it all over again. And they weren't corporate-owned. They didn't. They weren't worried about quarterly earnings and reporting. They just chugged along because they had really smart guys running them and good people making movies for them. And I don't know why you can't sort of go back to that business model. It's not, you know, it. it, it you're not going to have $200 million tent poles, but you're going to have good movies and people will go see them and just go back to the way things were. That's the way you are, you are clinging to a dream. I know. It's not going to happen. I'm a dreamer. You know what? Especially because a lot of these studios are not run by creative types. They're run by corporate Bingo. types. Bingo. Maybe they're run by agents, former Bingo. agents. And Marketing they look at it people. differently. Yeah. Marketing people. And they're all wrong. And I'm right. You it's need, that simple. You need to run a studio. I do. I'd happily run a studio. Now, if you ran a studio, would you greenlight Elephant White starring Diamond Hanju and Kevin Bacon? I don't even know what that is. Uh, it's some crappy movie. Yeah. Or how about this? Would you have greenlit Sacrifice starring uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Christian Slater? No. Now, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Christian Slater, that you put those together, that's like... That's like... Uh, uh, if re- it was 1992, that'd be a rockin' movie. <laughs> <laughs> now it's just... Well, rumors. let's get into some DVDs. DVDs? We got, we got we DVDs to right talk now? about. Um, you know, right off the bat, this isn't a DVD, but I want to make mention of this because they sent us – every time once in a while we'll get a book. I know what you're saying. A book? What's a book? It's like a Kindle except it doesn't run out of battery power. And you can only uh, have one at a time. Nat Segaloff, uh wrote a biography of Arthur Penn to whom the Los Angeles Film Critics gave a Career Achievement Award some years ago before he passed away. Uh, this is Arthur Penn, American director, with a foreword by Jonathan Demme, and uh, it's really good. Arthur Penn is one of those directors who just, uh, even though everybody knows he was great and he made a ton of great films, including Bonnie and Clyde, he just uh, never kind of got the recognition that he deserved at that upper echelon of a period when you had people like Mike Nichols and Norman Jewison and Sidney Lumet. And these guys were, I mean, these guys all kind of came of age around the same time, and, and many of them became giants. And Arthur Penn kind of never really got the same recognition, but he deserves it. And uh, this is a terrific book. It's really, really good. I am uh, still working my way through it, but it's really good so far. And uh, definitely should check this out. Nat Segalov's book, Arthur Penn, American Director. It's really good. Uh, you're right. Arthur Penn, by the way, has a very famous uh, son, Sean Penn. Not true. What? Different director, Penn. That's Leo Penn. I'm just kidding. That's Leo Penn. Just kidding. Yeah, Leo, fa- parent, father of uh, Sean and Chris and uh, Michael. That is true. And Michael Penn, boy, that guy is talented. And you know what? And then he yeah. he, he made a couple albums. Actually, I have them. Yeah. And then he just disappeared. He scored a film too, didn't he? He did. Yeah. He did. But yeah. uh, I really wish his uh, recording career would have uh, yeah. uh, sustained. It did not. Well, let's let's kick off some DVDs here. I want to also make mention. Uh, there are a bunch of titles here from this line, and they uh, we need to really catch up on this because some of these were released a while back. But new video uh, is releasing a lot of these Tribeca film titles now. Tribeca Film is a really interesting um, 
it's a really interesting endeavor because what it's doing is it's taking a lot of films that are shown at the Tri- Tribeca Film Festival that don't have distribution, and it's putting them out directly to DVD, but with the Tribeca Film moniker. So they're not making it to theaters, but they're getting exposure with a, a kind of a prestigious moniker that says these films were uh, respected enough to make it to the Tribeca Film Festival. So it's an interesting collection if you obviously don't have the money to go to New York uh, for the Tribeca Film Festival. You, they, they enable you to bring these films home to you. And the first one here is The Immaculate Conception of Little Dizzy, uh, which has next to no bonus features. is an interview with the director and some deleted scenes. Um, but uh, a very interesting and creative uh, film. The kind of, you know, these, are, these are sort of films that, like, they're, they're independent films that would never make it to Sundance but would have deserved to. They just sort of don't fit the Sundance profile. Well, but also, you know, uh, these are distribution models yeah. that don't depend on theatrical release. Mm-hmm. And it gets it out there. Yep. Otherwise, the immaculate conception of a uh, little uh, dizzle, whatever it's called, a little dizzy, a little dizzy, uh, it would have just uh, gathered dust somewhere. Yep. Well, this is about a computer programmer who uh, decides to be a he. He takes an odd job actually to make a little bit of extra cash as uh, kind of a, a lab rat uh, of sorts, and um, it has something to do with cookies. And Mark, being a cookie fan. You know, I don't know. I've been known to eat the occasional cookie. The, would you be a lab rat to eat uh, odd hallucinatory cookies? Hell yeah. Yeah. I was in Amsterdam. Well, uh, very interesting film. Kind of an allegory about our modern world in some respects. Wait, it's gory? No. No, 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 no. Not that kind of, not that kind of gory. And then the very, very cute uh, movie, My Last Five Girlfriends, which is actually based on a novel called On Love. Now, I never heard of On Love. Apparently, it's relatively popular. Uh, this was written and directed by Julian Kemp, and uh, it's, the, the, it's based on that novel On Love by this guy named Alain de Botton, which might be a French novel. Again, I haven't heard of it. But uh, it's one of these movies that just makes a lot of interesting observations about love and uh, relationships, and I, you think, oh, great, just what I need, another movie about a guy who you know can't get a girl, can't get laid, can't, can't find love. Um, but you know what? This actually has a, a, a sweet cast, uh, interesting actors who will all show up in better things, and it's, uh, I would recommend that also. Uh, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll is also recommended. This has uh, some more recognizable names in it, like Andy Serkis and Ray Winstone and Olivia Williams. Uh, love Ray Winstone, and uh, particularly love him in this. Now, Andy Serkis, you may know, of course, is, the, uh, is basically Gollum. Uh, they borrowed Andy Sir- Andy Circus and King Kong and King Kong, but he performed Gollum and he's the voice of Gollum, and they modeled the face of Gollum on him. He's also the voice of King Kong. Hey, hey I'm King Kong. What's going on, buddy? Yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> great. Okay. Uh, well, anyway, this is the story of Ian Dury, who uh, is better known as the punk rocker Ian Dury and the Blockheads, frontman for Ian Dury and the Blockheads. And, uh, you know, the uh, really not my kind of film necessarily, but uh, it's, it's a nice companion piece to things like, um, oh, uh, Sid and Nancy and, you know, some of the, a lot of those rock biopic things. Um, interesting Life and Andy Serkis knocks it out of the park. Absolutely terrific. Matt Whitecross, who previously did uh, The Road to Guantanamo, uh, really nails it here, too. Very, very good. Um, the, uh, let's see, got three more here. The Trotsky is directed by Jacob Tierney, and, uh, you know, again, not my kind of humor necessarily, but I'm sure a lot of people will, uh, will vibe to it. It's, this is a very particular kind of independent film humor, and, um, 
oh, how would we put this? It's one of those. It's one of those. One of those. Yes. You know, one of those movies about people who just don't fit in the world, Mark, kind of like you. Exactly. I'm yeah. really starting to wonder, actually. Yeah. Well, well. anyway, it's uh, Saul Rubinek is uh, is very, very good in this, and uh, Colm Fior is very good. Uh, but it's 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 one of those odd kind of inverted coming of age um, nerd movies. And Jay Barakel is kind of my problem with it. He's uh, I liked him. He was a great voice in How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, he he kind of annoys me, and his voice in that movie annoys me. And maybe that's what annoys me about him here. It's why I like the supporting cast of this thing a lot better. But he's um, I don't know. It's 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 sort of like it wants to be a Woody Allen movie, but it isn't. I don't know. Uh, road movie. Now, this is not road movie. This is road, comma, movie. I don't get it. Yeah, I know. Well, road, comma, movie is an Indian film. Uh, so, you know, Tribeca Film does not release exclusively American independence. This is Hindi language. And uh, actually a very, very uh, a sweet kind of a road trip. Uh, not a musical, you know. People think Hindi films are all musicals. No, not in this case. This is a... About a kid who just doesn't want to be a part of uh, the family business, and um, he uh, he capitalizes on the chance to uh, take this old antri- antique truck on a road trip to the desert, or you know, through the desert to the uh, museum where it's supposed to be stored. You know, it's like a it's a classic, and um, it's very interesting. It's uh, not the usual kind of an Indian film, and the uh, the characters are really cool, and it's well written, and uh, this guy Dev Benegal who wrote and directed it, uh, really, has a, really has a nice visual flair. It's, uh, it's a very, very sweet film, and um, it's not three hours long, and it doesn't have any songs. And then lastly, Climate of Change by Brian Hill. Uh, re- actually, quite good. I'm surprised that this thing didn't actually get theatrical distribution. This is uh, from the same producers who did Inconvenient Truth. It is narrated by Tilda Swinton, and uh, it's a, a really, really impressive documentary about environmental action but from kind of a grassroots level and um it's very very it's not like an activist film actually it's sort of a it's got a real kind of poetic flair to it and it's very much kind of an individual empowerment film and uh it's it just sort of says you know people all around the world you don't need to wait necessarily for others to take action if you feel that there's environmental damage or if you want to kind of be responsible in your in your place in the world you can you can do things and uh Really, uh, really very well done and uh, very comprehensive. So um, bravo, Brian Hill. Well done. And that's just a sampling of some of the cool stuff that Tribeca Film has uh, released. And uh, we like it. I like it, too. I like Tribeca Film. They're, they're good people. You know, they're, uh, that's one, um, that is one film festival that is really kind of broken from the pack. I mean, there was... You know why? It's, be- it's, it's through nothing but the sh- It's sort of like Sundance. You, you need, and, the, and again, this gets back to why I just think the studios are faltering these days. But film is talent-driven and personality-driven. A movie succeeds beca- not because it's done by committee, but because you have a director, or in many cases a producer, who wills it across the finish line. And you need that vision, that singular vision, and that personality to do it. Sundance succeeded because Robert Redford insisted that it would succeed. And same with Tribeca. Robert De Niro will not allow it to fail. And it's the force of those personalities that uh, enables those festivals to succeed. Uh, Speaking of things that don't succeed, 
Oh, too soon. The Venture Brothers complete season four Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, the Venture Brothers. Uh, Adult Swim. Adult Swim. And Don't get it. <laughs> I know, it's a broken record. We say that every time, but whatever. Uh, Adult Swim has some new one about a uh, wrestling uh, wrestler. Uh, and it's all very gonzo and, and the way they the way yeah, it's animated whatever. and it's uh, fast moving and crazy and uh, I just don't understand it. Yeah, whatever. But uh, people love the... Um, People love the Venture Brothers. There's um, 16 episodes, deleted scenes, commentary tracks. Um, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I'm just not it, a fan. It, it, I mean, you know what? Here's a, you know, the guy who directed it, Peter Chung, is the guy who did, um, who created and did the Aeon Flux animated which I love from MTV, which, which I love. Aeon Flux is terrific, but I just don't get this. It's not. It's not the same. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened between uh, yeah. you know. But then again, he's uh, doing something good. He's on the guy's on a network. Yeah, he's getting his Blu-rays put out. So Bravo. God love him. Good for him. Not good interested. For him. We've got season one of Who Do You Think You Are? And I gotta confess, this NBC series, which I thought would be schmaltzy crap and just a, another reality show waste of whatever, uh, actually really good. I gotta tell you, this is a really smart thing, and I and I'd love to see them do this with other than celebrities. Um, but it's it's fascinating. This is a genealogy show. Who who knew? Um, this is uh, they take celebrities. In this case, seven different celebrities, and uh, they enable them to kind of get into the to open up their family trees and their genealogy and find out the secrets of their forebears. And it's it's really good for crying out loud. Um, it's gripping. This is uh, seven episodes on two discs, and I, I really hope this show continues to run and run for a long time. Yeah, you know what? I don't like the show. I'll tell you why. Why? Because it's another show that just makes celebrities. It just proves that celebrities get things that we don't get. I know. See, like, that's the thing I, I don't like, like about it. I, I, I agree would have loved to have had somebody go back into my past, but no, well, I guess, that's I, I guess I'm, I'm not a C-list celebrity. That's what I'm saying. They've got to do this for regular people. And the thing is, who would watch it for just regular people? You've got to make the stories interesting. So that's what they're, they're trying to hook you with the celebrities. I think they'll eventually do this for just the average schmo. But uh, really, you know, Brooke Shields, Susan Sarandon, Spike Lee, Lisa Kudrow, Emmett Smith, Matthew Broderick, Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, and you know Matthew Broderick and Sarah Jessica Parker, they uh, they get a little twofer there in the family. Uh, but really, the Susan Sarandon one and the uh, Emmett Smith uh, episodes, very very cool. And the Spike Lee one, uh, it, it has an interesting twist in it. So really, not bad at all. I, uh, I I think this is terrific, and I hope this runs continuously for a very long time. Forever and ever and ever. Forever and ever. Uh, speaking of uh, dead comedians. Oh uh, yeah. You weren't speaking of dead comedians. You know, I, oh, I'm kind on. of amazed. I know, but I'm kind of amazed that they would release these two on the same day. It, you know what I mean? Too soon. Yeah. Well, but it just sort of there's something morbid about it. Like both of these discs that you're going to talk about in a second, they needed to be released, but they didn't need to release them on the same day and draw that parallel. They just didn't. Um, well, we are talking about if you haven't figured it out already, Saturday Night Live has two new uh, DVDs. You know. Yeah, SNL, ha- they have released a lot of these DVDs. These con- yeah, these, and they've uh, re-released a lot of them, like two and three times with different packaging. And I really wish they would just put them in a slimline box set. Yeah. It's just the worst. I, yeah. hate, I hate how they, they crap these things out. But here we have the best of John Belushi and the best of Chris Farley. 
The uh, John Belushi ones include some maybe you haven't seen, some you probably have. They'll actually, the Star Trek one is on here, which is great. The Greek restaurant, Cheeseburger, Cheeseburger is on here. Uh, his Joe Cocker impersonation is great. King B is kind of crazy. Uh, bonus features include original screen test, which is great. Um, Rolling Stone magazine interview, good stuff. Chris Farley, uh, Chris Farley show. Uh, <laughs> I like when you like, we're liking the Beatles. <laughs> Kind of like an early Beavis and Budhead yeah. almost. Yeah. Uh, the Chippendales classic is there. Motivational speaker. Come on. No, that's great. In a van down by the river. Down by the river. It's great stuff. It's great <laughs> stuff. You know what? I I I, I do love the. I, it really depends on the celebrity. You know. I, yeah, I, I, agree. I I don't really need the best of uh, Chris Rock. I like Chris Rock, but I don't know if I need the best of Chris Rock. But these are great. But again, just slimline them. I just blue need ram. All I need is the best of Sherry O'Terry. That's all I want. What? Best of Sherry O'Terry. Really? I love Sherry O'Terry. What? Sherry O'Terry did that one character, Bizarre. which is outrageously f- funny, where she's sexually suggestive about everything, except she explains it like, uh, you know, I'm talking about your testicles. It's very funny. John Goodman, outrageous in that. Very funny. John Goodman, John Goodman of the 150-pound weight loss? Yes, uh, Mill Creek, of course, is releasing a lot of these uh, TV seasons and uh, series that have been released previously, and we're going to roll through a bunch of them here. Um, uh, hey, Vern, it's Ernest, the complete series. I know. I know you, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, really? Do I really, really want to have all whopping 13 episodes of, uh, of Jim Varney? <laughs> yes, you do. Well, you know what? It was uh, it was a kid's show, and it was kind of trying to be like a redneck Pee Wee's Playhouse, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's not bad. And the character, look, for a character that was created to sell for local car commercials, I don't know if a lot of people even realize that, but, it, you know, he, the, he and uh, John Cherry had an ad company, and they did all of those uh, commercials for to be basically used as a vehicle to promote local um, auto dealerships all around the country. So he'd crawl up on the roof and go, hey, Vern, have you been down to fill in the blank? And they'd do really? one for Cerritos Auto Square, and they'd do one for some auto dealership in Kentucky, and they'd do one for an auto dealership in Illinois. And they'd do the exact same shtick, the same camera shtick about you know 20 or 30 times, and each time he'd just mention a different auto dealership in a different state. And that way, these commercials never competed with each other in the same market, but you're picking up a lot of local ad money. I mean, it was a very smart business model. Cerritos Auto Square. There you go. So a lot of people got to know him from their local commercials, and then they started making the movies and then, of course, the TV series. So uh, Jim Varney, of course, passed away uh, from, it was lung or throat cancer, whatever it was. The guy smoked unbelievably. I mean, I interviewed him. For, after one of the uh, the Ernest movies, nicest guy in the world, nicest guy you've ever met. But you just knew then with the voice and the cigarettes. And I was looking at him, and I'm just like, you are, you are a giant lung cancer case waiting to happen. And it, uh, it did. But anyway, uh, and then in addition to that, we also have, as it would be appropriate, a triple feature from Mill Creek of Ernest goes to camp, Ernest goes to jail, and Ernest scared stupid. Of course, these are not the Disney Ernest movies. Uh, Disney got behind a few of them, and then after they stopped making money, uh, Jim Varney and John Cherry went off and uh, made a few more independently, and these are three of those. So uh, it's kind of the same stuff. It's it's lowbrow. It's shtick. But you know what? The kids will laugh. Why not? The kids will laugh. Why not? Oh, I thought it was off at Spindle. It's not, Wade. Best of season two of Simon and Simon. 
Now, what's happening now is... I with, always um, play the theme for these, but I'm not going to do it this week because people what? are sick of it, I know. Uh, no, uh, you know what? I'm sick of it. You know, the good folks at Shout Factory, uh, they come out with these uh, sets called TV Flashbacks. And, yeah. they're, and they're the best ofs. Yeah. So now we have 10 episodes of season two of Simon and Simon. This, this is, is still a, Mill Creek. It's Shout Factory by way of Mill Creek. Uh, that is true. Oh, yes. yeah, there it is, Mill Creek. Yeah. Um, this was an 80s uh, detective drama, which Wade loved. Don't get it. Jameson Parker, uh, Gerald McRaney. Uh, forget yeah. it. I, I, can't, I cannot even feign interest. 21 Jump Street, the complete fourth season. Uh, also from Mill Creek. Uh, you know what? Look. Hey, dud. This, is, this was the... Uh, this Don't is the pretend l- it's not a dud. Okay. This was the uh, last season that Johnny Depp was on the show. Because yeah, he's smart, he a smart only, man. He was only four seasons. Somehow it felt like he did this for years and years and years. He's but. a smart man. Anyway, this was his last season. So just so you know, uh, it's all about Richard Grieco in the uh, in the fifth season. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, Twenty One Jump Street. So it's okay. I went to. Did I mention I went to school with Holly Robinson as well? Mm. Yeah, I know. What am I doing here? Yeah, why are you hosting this show, Wade? I don't know. And then rounding out the uh, Mill Creek stuff before we jump into real movies. Uh, Stingray, the complete series. I know, a lot of you think, really? Stingray? Like, I barely even remember it. You know what? Nick Mancuso is a pretty good actor. And uh, this thing only ran for 25 seasons. But look, what the? hey, you know, it's better than a lot of stuff that's on TV today. And uh, it even has, uh, you know, it's nice to see some of these actors that you recognize from other stuff. Kurt Wood Smith is in here and Laurie Petty and Ray Wise. I mean, it's got, you know, some, it's got some decent cred. Stingray? Uh, yeah, why not? Ugh. Wait, come on. Up your game. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's a little, you get nostalgic about the crap stuff after it's been off the air for a few years. Uh, season one, volume one of 30-something. This is also from the TV flashbacks uh, agreement between Shout and uh, Mill Creek. Uh, it's interesting because this <laughs> this is a show. The rights to the show. I'm not sure how this deal works. First of all, these are these are just the first half of the uh, the first season. But the rights to this are held by MGM, which distib- distributes through 20th Century Fox on DVD. But they Fox went and did an output deal with Shout, who then sublicensed for distribution to Mill Creek. So the result is that you have something here that w- that that is sending money to MGM and Fox and Shout Factory, and somehow Mill Creek makes enough pennies off of it to make it worthwhile. But uh, that being said, 30-something is a great show. It uh, ages very well. Terrific cast. Still really good. And I think the world of this show, and even though they're splitting the first season into two halves, uh, you know what? Uh, it's worth it. Definitely check it out. And then lastly, also in that uh, TV flashbacks uh, arrangement... And this time from Sony, by way of Shout Factory, by way of Mill Creek, is uh, My Two Dads. This is a 10-episode set, and um, you know what? I struggle with this show. I want to like it more than than I really should. Um, Dick, Dick Butkus really starts to annoy me after a while. Greg Evigan, what's that guy doing now? He's BJ and the Bear, and then... Uh, and then what happened to? I don't know. After that, that, that amazing zenith, that cultural zenith of yeah. BJ and the Bear. Yeah, and then Paul Reiser. And the funniest thing about this to me, Mark, mm. this is why we like to get things in the, in the retail packaging because it shows you how professionally they're put together. Um, Paul Reiser. How do you spell Paul Reiser's name? 
Um, okay. Paul Reiser's name. Well, which, which name? The first name or the second name? The second name. Riser. How do you spell Riser? I believe it is uh, R-E-I-S-E-R. Okay. Who's this guy that they're talking about in the back? Paul Resider? There you go. Paul Resider. Oh, my God. I mean, honestly. Way to proofread. <laughs> who is that? Mill Creek did that? That's Mill Creek. You know, you're, you're a public domain house. You, you don't have a lot of money for uh, proofreading, copy you know, editing. My favorite Paul Reiser m- role ever, Aliens. You know it. Yeah, I know. He was great in it. Yep. It was terrific. Really good. Uh, you know what's uh, not really good? Scary Movie 4. Now, you know, there was a time. This is Scary Movie 4. Yes, there was a time back uh, in the olden days when you had the Naked Gun films, you had the airplane uh, films. And uh, they were really funny. And uh, even some of the films, the Scary Movie series way back when, even even some of those films were okay. But now you're getting into like Scary Movie 4. And even though they brought back David Zucker for this one, which seems like, oh, my God, what pedigree. Um, it's, just, it's, just, it's just ultimate lame. And uh, this is Scary Movie 4. Special features include uh, nothing. Who cares? It's not funny. Um, I mean, honestly. Folks, <laughs> not even on Blu-ray? I mean, unrated on. and uncensored? I mean, come on, folks. No? Seriously. This, here is the question. Dr. Phil and Shaq? And it looks like it should be the funniest thing ever. Gosh, I can't imagine. Sorry, go on. Wade, tell me. Here's, here's what I, I have. I know where we're here's, going. Here's what I have for you. I know. I have... Uh, one of the world's most glamorous and beautiful actresses. Yes. I have one of the world's most uh, desirable, uh, handsome, international, famous men. Yes, well, whom we just mentioned from his uh, final series, television. Yes. Yeah. I have uh, action yes. and romance. Yes. I have uh, amazing, gorgeous uh, locales. An Oscar-winning director. An Oscar-winning director. It sounds like a home run. I yeah. mean, this thing is amazing. You're talking like a studio executive. Wow. That's Studio Exec 101. You know what? Let's make the tourist. It Uh-oh. can't lose. <laughs> it got two Golden Globe nominations. It's got that's a, no three. Oh, three. That's best right. actor. Actress best and, actress. And best comedy or musical. Yes. Although oh. <laughs> although they say best motion picture on the Blu-ray packaging. Yeah. You know what? It, it was best comedy or musical, even though it ain't funny and it ain't got no music. So it, I'm not sure how it wound up in that. Oh, I know. They wanted to get Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt to their dinner. That's right. That's what it was. And you know what? Why? Why? How come people don't see through that anymore? I don't know. So, how bad is a film yeah. that stars Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp in these exotic locales in some sort of like North by Northwesty sort of thriller? How bad must it be for them to totally tank this thing? I, you know what? It had a bad script. That's what it was. It was. It's just. It was not a good script. Not a good idea. Uh, but if you are, it doesn't f- have to be. You know what? It's Jolie and Depp with a hole in their schedule. And and, and here's the it. thing. Here's the thing. I mean the. The way that this script was thrown together, I, these are these are really good screenwriters. Uh, it was ultimately directed by Florian Henkel von Donnersmark, who of course directed uh, the, uh, Lives the, the Lives of Others, the amazing uh, Oscar-winning film. And uh, you look at this, and Julian Fellows. I mean, this is if you decipher the writing credits, Julian Fellows took a whack at this, and then Christopher McQuarrie took a whack at it. Now those are two Oscar-winning screenwriters, and then von Donnersmark himself took a whack at it. I mean, he's an Oscar-winning director and writer, and yet somehow it just sucked gas. And uh, somewhere in there, things just went really, really, really wrong. And uh, it's unfortunate. It's too bad, because it really should have been great. 
Don't know what happened. But anyway, uh, you know what? I actually think this is, uh, look, notwithstanding the fact that the film blows, it's a very, very good uh, Blu-ray transfer. Oh, it's gorgeous. Uh, yeah. It's very nice. But the problem is, in order to see that transfer, you have to watch the movie. <laughs> Um, and finally on Blu-ray for crying out loud and we're going to be saying that for a couple of years as all of these great movies finally make it to Blu-ray Stand By Me 25th Anniversary Edition thank you finally at long last you know uh, I was not a huge fan of Stand By Me at the time but it's really grown on me it is a terrific job of directing by Rob Reiner from a short story by Stephen King a short story that is not a horror story it's a coming of age story and that coming of age story uh, introduced us to the incredible talents of a young River Phoenix. Now, he had done other things, but he really nailed it in this movie. Jerry O'Connell is, is fat and not very sexy. Corey Feldman is, uh, is adorable and not yet into uh, all the weird, freaky, disgusting stuff that he is now. And uh, Kiefer Sutherland makes a really, really great uh, appearance as the, uh, the very scary bully. Uh, this is a great film from the 80s, and it is a classic. Uh, John Cusack's in it as well, as is Richard Dreyfuss. And uh, I, I just, it's a, it's a great film. What can you say? It looks great on Blu-ray. They did a wonderful transfer. Sony uh, took a lot of time with it. Audio commentary with Rob Reiner, a great, uh, com- a great uh, featurette on here. And uh, there's, a, there's a picture-in-picture commentary that features uh, Rob Reiner and Corey Feldman, along with, unfortunately, the one actor I haven't mentioned, because I cringe mentioning him, because even though he's really good in this, I'm sorry, Mark, Will Wheaton, to me, it will forever be Wesley Crusher. God, I hated that character. Yeah, I know. Everybody hated that character. That character was made to be hated. But great movie, right? Blu-ray, finally. Oh, yeah, it's a Stand By Me. It's a song. That's right. It's called uh, Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Skyline was a... Uh, Skyline... Oh, bloody hell. Was a... Uh, was they didn't a, make this available to us to see... Uh, this didn't screen for critics. No. During a theatrical release. Which is always a good sign. Yeah. Uh, Skyline was actually a pickup by Universal. They did not make this film. And uh, it is incredibly cheesy. In fact, you know what? It has a lot of uh, parallels to another alien invasion film that is uh, wending its way to the theaters, uh, Battle L.A. Which is actually Battle Los Angeles. Yes. But Skyline, actually, I, I, I will tell you that Battle uh, Los Angeles is better than Skyline, but we're talking... Uh, marginally. You know, marginally, and we're yeah. not talking about great films here. Um, Battle uh, Skyline is about... Um, uh, Alien invasion. It's so bad. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, the end of this film has, has a twist that makes, like, no sense. I know. I, I can't give it away. It's, it's, it's absurd. But uh, special, uh, special features include... You know, the thing is, is that... It's on DVD and Blu-ray, and I have to say that because this is such a low-budget film, the Blu-ray doesn't look that great. You know, it's not, uh, it's, it's low-budge, it's got some nice effects, you, know, you can do so much for, for, you can do so much for so little now with special effects, if you look at uh, District 9 and Monsters and these sorts of films, but still, the Blu-ray, not that great. Feature commentary, deleted scenes, uh, pre-visualizations, which are always nice to uh, see how they made the effects, but ultimately, uh, it's just not that great a film. Boo. Boo. Boo, Skyline. You know, uh, we love Kino. No, we don't. Oh, yes, we do. Okay. We love Kino. Okay. Kino uh, has released previously a lot of great Buster Keaton films, and we now have the ultimate edition of our hospitality, not just on DVD. Oh, no, not just on DVD, but on Blu-ray. Now, Our Hospitality is one of Buster Keaton's very best films, and you could really see that say that about all of Buster Keaton's films. They're all among his best, because they're all great. I mean... It's like Chaplin. The guy could do no wrong. 
and uh, it is uh, it's a he plays his typical sad sack guy who uh, thinks he's getting a great big inheritance, which turns out to be a shack. And then there are all kinds of romantic struggles that ensue, and of course, it's uh, really just designed around a lot of very clever set pieces that are amazing. And his physical abilities as a stuntman, as an actor, as a comic are just extraordinary. You just ca- you cannot imagine how much fun this movie is to watch. Uh, Carl Davis and the uh, Thames Silence Orchestra do the score, which is sounds absolutely terrific. Um, the movie looks great on DVD and in Blu-ray. I got to tell you, there's there's nothing wrong with either of them. Uh, obviously, you got to recommend the Blu-ray, but uh, you can't go wrong either way. Now, the Blu-ray is 1080i. It is not 1080p. I want to emphasize that Why because. Do that? I don't know. Some people may have an issue with that, but it is 1080i, so it's it's you know kind of the second tier high def. Um, I wish it weren't, but it you know look most television is 720i, so television HD it's it's better than that. I wish they'd done 1080p, but who knows? Anyway, uh, some great uh, color tinted sequences. There's uh, a little 19 minute thing here called the Iron Mule, which kind of corresponds in a way, and then a documentary on the making of the film. Uh, which is really, really, really good. And then uh, a thing here called Hospitality, which is an interesting kind of uh, alternate cut of the film, which I was unaware of, and it actually has a little uh, intro that explains how all that came to be. But you can't go wrong with the movie. I mean, never mind, never mind the fact that it's 1080i or that the DVD is just, you know, 480i. It's great. Either way, you can't go wrong. Yes. Mark, Mark how, about a, how about some uh, listener mail? Do we have listener mail? I got some listener mail. Well, read it up, sucker. Yeah, baby. We got some listener mail. Uh, Alex Weiss writes us and said, I hope sometime on the show you mentioned that John Barry passed away. I have mostly just listened to his work on the Bond movies, but based on that, I think his work and contribution to movie music is up there with John Williams and Danny Elfman. See, see me personally, I, I actually think he's better than John Williams and Danny Elfman. Anyway. Really? Oh, I do. John Barry? Yeah. Really, John Barry's just phenomenal, dude. Think of the scores he's done. Out of Africa. Ugh, I mean, somewhere in time, all the way back, all the Bond films, B- Born Free. I mean, it's just Born a, Free. Uh, so good. As free as. Anyway, uh, Alex also agrees with you that uh, First Contact is a good movie, and he goes on to say, uh, "Want to make some Star Trek points here?" Says uh, Insurrection was more of a civil rights philosophical plot, and I that would defend. Thing sucked. All the Star Trek movies, except for the final next-gen one, Nemesis, which had a good idea but poor execution. Confusing story. And um, he thinks the cast was acting like they did it more for the paycheck. Movie felt like the series was just treading uh, treading water. Well, actually, no, well, Nemesis uh, killed the series. I know. I mean, that was a big bomb. It did. I mean, that made, that, that made Out the Door, mm-hmm. domestic, first release, barely made 50. Lenny Timmons writes, Hey, Digigods, long-time listener here. Notice you guys talking, I mean complaining a lot about how the upcoming Blu-ray releases of Star Wars will not be the original theatrical cuts. If Lucas is good at nothing else, he's good at making money. Uh, and how he will get people to double dip in Blu-ray if he shoots the whole thing on the first go-around. I bet this will play out just like DVDs did where we get the special edition. First, two years later, he then appeases the fans by putting out the original cuts. Just like he did in 2006, even though we were told in 1996 that the original films would never be released. Um, you know what? He's uh, he, he may be right. I mean, Lucas has certainly run everybody through this ringer enough times that we kind of know his drill. 
But um, anyway, he says, another tidbit, these transfers for Blu-ray are the same as the 2004 DVD release because they said at the time the films were scanned in 1080p specifically for future HD releases. Interesting. Uh, email from Jason Lair says, two recent movies, Monsters and Vanishing on 7th Street, have been available on iTunes and VOD outlets before their theatrical release. What's the studio thinking behind this new paradigm? Is it working? Is it the start of a trend for second-tier movies? What do you think, Mark? Uh, you start. I was on the computer. No, no. no. I was looking, I was looking <laughs> okay. at something. I wasn't well, being... he's, saying, he's saying that the two recent movies have been available on iTunes and VOD before their theatrical release. Is that a new paradigm? Well, definitely VOD. I yeah. mean, you've got films now. You know, Magnolia, they, you know, for a while, Magnolia's been doing day and date. Yeah. You know, DVD or VOD. That, I, I don't know that that's really working all that well. Now you've got ones like the Natalie Portman film, The Other Woman, that came out a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago. That was VOD for a week, and then it got released theatrically. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're toying with these windows now. They're toying they're, they're, with the they're, release they're, patterns. They're trying everything they can to find something that'll work. And then Chris Claro says, Ye gods must point out an error in episode 177. All the President's Men did indeed have a score, a slight sinister one by David Shire. The other Best Picture nominee that was scoreless was Dog Day Afternoon, with the only music being the Elton John tune that opens the film. Yours in godliness, Chris Claro. How about that? Dog Day Afternoon. I never realized it had no score. Only um, an Elton John tune. I love Dog Day Afternoon, and I knew that because I love that film. I love that film. I love Dog Day Afternoon. Attica, Attica. When are they coming out with that on Blu-ray? I want... Here's what I want. With the exception of The Wiz, I want every City Lamette film on Blu-ray. That's what I want. Wade, make that happen. Why don't you want The Wiz? Oh, come on. It's a good film. Get on down the road. Ease on down the road. Uh, that's right. Ease on down the road. Uh, little Roger Corman is here. Roger Corman's cult classics. Double feature of Jackson County Jail and Caged Heat. Um, you know, uh, this series, which is all being released by Shout Factory, you got to know this about Corman's films. Some of them are crap and some of them are really good. And the only thing that makes this distinctive is that Caged Heat was written and directed by Jonathan Demme, who at the time, honestly, nobody would ever imagine he would go on to become an Academy Award-winning director. Uh, or documentarian, for that matter. Uh, you know, he was just schlocking it up in the Corman factory. But um, Caged Heat has some campy moments that make it okay. It's, uh, you know, otherwise, Jonathan Demme did a lot of these women in prison films for Corman. That was sort of his specialty ghetto. And that's the only reason to check this out. Uh, Jackson County Jail is pretty forgettable, apart from the fact that it has a, uh, an, an aging Yvette Mimieux in it, who uh, is wonderful. I just love Yvette Mimieux. And uh, all the way up to uh, The Black Hole, I thought she was terrific, as far back as The Time Machine. But why she's in this movie, you can only imagine she was having a hard time getting work. Oh, yeah, did I mention that uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Robert Carradine are in this, too? Terrible, both of them. Um, and uh, if you're a fan of WKRP in Cincinnati you'll uh, spot Howard Hessman in here as well but not a good movie by any means Uh, I gotta tell you Jackson County Jail Mm, no and uh, here we go finishing off our Corman coverage we have a little thing here called Sharktopus on both DVD and on Uh. Blu-ray well, these are all those those sci-fi films that yeah. they've, they've sci-fi has really reinvented itself with these uh, cheesy monster movies. I know, and I don't like it because you know what? I don't I'm, either. You know, I'm sure they do well, blah blah blah. But you know what? It just devalues the brand. It does. It's terrible. It makes it. I guess it's fun and blah. It just. I don't like it. No, it, it. You know, sci-fi was supposed to have a certain level of 
legitimacy to it. And uh, this really, Robert Cor- Roger Corman is just putting his name on here as a present deal. And, uh, you know, it's whatever. It's it's kind of like the Maneater series from Anchor Bay. It's And this, is, by the way, is released by Anchor Bay, so it's got a certain uh, similar um, uh, lineage. But, you know, really, Sharktopus? I mean, the name tells you everything you need. Good grief. Well, look, it, it, it knows what it is. Yeah, it's an Eric Roberts movie. I just I'm a little disappointed that sci-fi is going this way. I know. You know, I it, agree. It, it, here's the thing: it will be different if uh, sci-fi slipped this stuff under the radar for fun in between Battlestar Galactica Emmys and whatnot. But they really, this is part of their identity now. Doing these films has become just as much a part of their identity as Battlestar Galactica and Caprica and all these other good, all, all these these other good adult shows. Yeah. All right, whatever. Uh, the Fighter, Wade. The Fighter. On Blu-ray. This movie... Uh, they didn't waste any time with that, did they? They really didn't. Uh, this movie uh, resurrected David O. Russell's career. And nobody saw this come. I have to say, I found... Um, I'm not a huge fan of this film. I think it's fine. But uh, I found it's the amount of critical acclaim it received was surprising. You know, I was... It's because nothing else was out there. I, I mean, there wasn't. It was, you know, it, it, people, people thought, wow, it's competent. That's what it is. It, you know <laughs> yeah. what? You, you get the sense that everybody involved is very committed, and somehow it's just not coming together as a film that is, is, is any singular tale or anything that really is rousing or beyond cliche, you know, or, or no, above it's, it's, cliche. It's, it's a boxing movie, and it's fine. Yeah, that's and, it. I, and, and that's it. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, uh, Christian Bale won an Oscar for his over the. I I I guess I didn't like this performance at all. I guess we're in the minority. I just thought yeah. he was, you know, and that's over the David. Top. You know what? And I'm, I'm not sure if David O. Russell didn't have the guts to tell Christian Bale to calm down, or whether that was that was what they agreed upon. But I don't know. Obviously, we're in the minority because he won an Oscar. Yeah, all I right. just don't get the fighter. Uh, Blu-ray looks great though. Um, it's a pretty down and dirty, gritty film, so it's not like you're going to get a whole uh, crazy, uh, you know, Blu-ray uh, benefit from it. Yeah. So there you go. That's the fighter. I was a fan of Megamind. I liked it. I thought it was good. Uh, there's a Blu-ray DVD combo pack, a mega double pack they call it, of uh, Megamind. Uh, this is Will Ferrell has a lot of fun uh, as the uh, title character, who's a villain who becomes a hero, and it's good stuff. I liked it. The um, some of these extras are in. Um, are in HD, which is nice, including like some of the featurettes, meet the cast, and uh, and whatnot. That's good stuff. But uh, Megamind, uh, I liked it. I did Brad Pitt, funny in it. Tina Fey, funny in it. Yeah, I uh, I didn't see it. Didn't see it, but uh, I, I have uh, taken a look at some of the extras, which are cute. Um, and the nice thing about the extras, I have to say, is that they're almost all in HD, which... You Can know, you read that? Yeah, sure. Because I wear glasses. I don't. I, I don't know. wear glasses. You need to get glasses. No, I don't. Yeah, you do. Not going to happen. It's going to happen eventually. It's You can't help it. Give me that. I'll take that. Yeah, why not? Uh, the Switch with Jennifer Aniston and Jason Bateman. Let me just point out, this um, This was a Miramax film. Now, this was a Miramax film at a time when Miramax was being slowly killed by Disney. And uh, it, it just, you know... It doesn't in any way resemble anything that should have the Miramax moniker on it. The The idea here is that uh, Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston are um, their best friends. But uh, they're, not those, they're not 
friends in that way. And she wants to get pregnant. And uh, there's a whole weird little psychotic switcheroo whereby she does get pregnant, but with his seed. Um, And that, of course, has interesting consequences. The movie is not as terrible as you would expect it to be. It sounds like one of those horrible romantic comedies where somebody just cooked up a high-concept idea and said, wouldn't this be hysterical? And it really isn't. Uh, it doesn't really work, uh, but it's not, as, it's not just horribly dreadful. Now, it's written by Alan Loeb, who's a real screenwriter and who really should have written a much better script. But uh, you know what? It's on Blu-ray. We only got to look at it on Blu-ray. Does it deserve to be on Blu-ray? Not really. Best thing about this is Jeff Goldblum, as, as in everything he does. He steals every scene that he's in. He's terrific. He's funny but he's also menacing in one scene in particular where he really, really unleashes. And, uh, you know, then you got uh, Juliette Lewis, who's kind of doing her, like, crazy girlfriend walkthrough, and uh, that's all right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, you know what, marginal I, rental. You know what, it's, it's not a great film, but I, I, I do agree that uh, it was better than I ever thought it would be, yeah. had a right to be. The uh, Warner Archive Collection, which, of course, these are uh, – they, they burn these for you as you order them. You can find out more at warnerarchive.com. Uh, they send us certain uh, high-profile titles as they kind of float through. And uh, this one, I'm surprised that they didn't do as a straight-up, you know, regular mass-produced DVD because this film has some credential. This has some following to it. Uh, this is Humphrey Bogart and Barbara Stanwyck in The Two Mrs. Carrolls. Now, The Two Mrs. Carols from 1947 is actually, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good movie overall. Is it one of the best that you, you know, it's not a great film by Humphrey Bogart standards or by Barbara Stanwyck standards, but it's got a lot of great drama in it. And, uh, you know, it, it, is it, you know, maybe it's, it's a, like a tier below Rebecca, I would say, and below Laura, films of that sort. Uh, it's in kind of the same vein. And uh, it's a little quasi-noir, but really, if you like these stars, you're going to want to check this out. Um, It is, you know, I don't know how easy it is to rent, uh, but you can certainly stream it uh, off of the Archive Collection site, warnerarchive.com. But I think most people are going to want to own this, because this is a film that's worth uh, having a 1940s movie night. Definitely do so. And uh, then a few things just to wrap out the uh, some of the new movie titles. Boathouse Detectives is a so-so family film from uh, MTI. Now, MTI mostly does straight-to-video stuff. Uh, a lot of it kind of lowbrow. Some of it actually pretty good. And uh, this is, I think, on the upper end of that. Now, the guy who directed this, um, Eric Hendershot, whom I've never heard of before, apparently has kind of some cachet with this because he has done movies previously kind of in the same family vein, Clubhouse Detectives and Horse Crazy. Mark, have you heard of either of those? Nope. Yeah, all right. Well, anyway. Um, it, this tries to sort of uh, concoct a bit of a derivative classic story um, wherein there's... Well, it's basically about a bunch of kids who are you know trying to be detectives. And uh, it's cute. You know, the actors are not bad, and the, uh, you know, Hendershot seems to have a certain flair for this type of thing. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. This is made by Artist View Entertainment, and I always walk by their suite at the AFM, and I never really pay attention to what they're selling. Maybe I should. Maybe you shouldn't. All right. Mark, did you see the people I've slept with? Uh, I don't know, Wade. How many people would that be? Ba-dum-bum. Don't say I never, don't say I never do anything for you. 
the people I slept with was was a very, rather controversial uh, indie film at a certain point last year, and uh, I, you know, I don't know that it deserve. It's not that good, but it doesn't really deserve to be controversial either. Uh, directed by Quentin Lee, and we all know who Quentin Lee is, don't we? He directed. Uh, he directed something I heard of. Honestly, no. I'm not kidding. No, he directed the people I've slept with. I'm looking. I'm looking. Him yeah, up. he did direct something I've heard. No, of. No, he's directed a few other things. Um, anyway, it, you know what? This is one of those movies. How do you put this? This is one of those movies that is that sort of tries to. Um, it tries to shine a new light on promiscuity and somehow find and illuminate the whole subject of human relations and relationships in the process. And I think. Wait, he directed nothing I've heard of. Really? No. No, he did. I no, know he didn't. did. Yeah, he did. Oh, he directed uh, Flow. That's it. No, stop it. Shopping for Fangs. That's it. Drift. There you go. Ethan Mao. There you go. And 0506HK. There you go. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a, he's a very impressive filmography. Uh, no, this is, the, you know, the, the thing here, a lot of these movies have been about, uh, you know, we've had uh, a few movies, uh, Baby Mama, and uh, what, what's, what are some of the other fertility comedies that we've had? Oh, Baby Mama? No, no, there, there's been a few of them. The Switch? Uh, this, well, that's, that's certainly one. Uh, that horrendous thing with... Uh, Baby Mama? Exactly. Anyway, uh, oh, gosh, you know... Baby Mama? Whatever. I had to talk about this thing on radio. I, can't, I, don't, I, don't, know how I, how, I don't even know how I got a, a single word out edgewise nah, on it. Just... Dumb. You are you truly. Got a, you got a vamp sometimes. Exactly. All right, and then uh, we got a few minutes left. How about some docs, Mark? Uh, sure. We got a couple of 3D IMAX Blu-ray docs here: The Ultimate Wave Tahiti 3D and uh, Dinosaurs Giants of Patagonia in 3D. Um, you know what? Honestly, if you're if you've got a, a, a if you're one of those people who has a 3D high definition television set and a 3D Blu-ray player, and you're looking for something to put on it, I, I'm not going to recommend any of these studio films to you. Stuff like this, I will recommend because it's kind of done intentionally to show off all of those aspects and not necessarily to tell a story. Now, um, Dinosaurs, Giants, Patagonia, and 3D. Um, if you saw it in IMAX, if you um, were kind of wowed by it in IMAX, you might be moderately wowed by it in the home environment. All the CGI dinosaurs and then all of the uh, documentary stuff in there that's meant to be very educational and kind of wowing at the same time. You know what? It it honestly kind of works. It really does. Uh, the, uh, the Ultimate Wave Tahiti 3D, uh, less impressive, um, and that's probably why now mind you both of these also come with a regular Blu-ray so you don't you, you, it's not like you have no choice but to watch them in 3D the, uh, but I'll tell you it, it, you have to be a surfing fan to really vibe to this uh, the 3D aspect of it not quite as impressive a few interesting shots I, I, look everybody knows I hate 3D but I'll, I'll give them credit they actually do pull off a few things where you kind of cock your head and go well that was interesting not great for storytelling, but if you're a surfer, you'll it'll make you want to go out and go surfing. And uh, look, Kelly Slater, you know the guy is kind of like the god of uh, of world surfing, and uh, he, yeah, I, I'm I'm on board. I'm on board the Kelly Slater machine, the Kelly the Kelly Slater train. What do you think, Mark? 
Kelly Slater, Slater, you on board? You surfer? I don't. I'm not a surfer. I tried okay. to surf once. Did you really? Oh, I know that. I you tried to surf once with that dude that they made the documentary about. That crazy surf family. wise. That's right. With the eight brothers, yeah. I went down to their, to their surf school, and they tried to teach me to surf. Didn't it? Didn't work. I don't like the ocean. I don't like the ocean. I don't like surfing. I don't like it. Uh, we got some PBS documentaries here as well that are really, really good. Frontline did the battle for Haiti, rebuilding in the face of gang violence and corruption. Uh, you know what? Haiti, it's funny now. We have such short attention spans. Uh, Haiti had that horrible, horrible, horrible earthquake. And uh, that was over a year ago now. And everybody just kind of forgot about it. I mean, they are still rebuilding. They, this country is still devastated. Everybody kind of made their donations and then forgot about them. And uh, this is a look at really some of the the struggles of rebuilding the society because it's almost like in many places a Mad Max world down there. I mean, it's it's amazing. Um, so bravo to Frontline for that one. And then uh, Can We Live Forever? New Technology for a Longer Life. This is a uh, Nova Science Now production. And it gets into some really interesting science. You know, I once had some people say to me, look, we'll eventually cure death. There's no reason why we can't live forever. And I thought, yeah, whatever. And... Um, well, you know, hey, uh, you actually can keep some things going forever, cars and, and, and technically people. And this gets into all of that. It's really a very, very interesting uh, scientific journey through what you might think is crazy theory, but it's not. It's not wacky. And then also from these so, uh, Nova Science Now series is How Smart Are Animals? And, of course, they put a, uh, a dolphin on the cover because dolphins, as we all know, are more intelligent than people. They are uh, dolphins, you know. They have their own little world down there with little nuclear reactors and, uh, and stuff all at the bottom of the ocean. You know that, don't you? I do not. Sure you do. Uh, there are uh, four little segments on here. How to smarter dogs, how smarter dolphins, how smart is an octopus, and uh, Irene Pepperberg and Alex. Go ahead, Mark. Ask me. Who's Irene Pepperberg? Who's Irene Pepperberg? Ask me who Alex is. Who's Alex? Her parrot. Huh? They, I used to want yeah. to be a dolphin trainer when I was a kid. Yeah. I used to go to I used to go to Marineland. Now Marineland was an old SeaWorld type knockoff that was much closer than San Diego from where I lived. And I used to go to Marineland with my father. And I used to uh, uh, not only did I go to the dolphin show, but I used to go behind the scenes after the dolphin show was over to play with the dolphins. Not in the pool, but I would throw them. Sure. The, I would throw them the little ball. Yeah. And I wanted to be a dolphin trainer. That was one of my first. That was one of the first jobs. I, I love Marineland. I really enjoyed Marineland. That was good times. I Wait, think we, I think we all grew up with Marineland, didn't we? It seems like we've been doing the show for like an hour and a half. I know it does, doesn't it? Gosh. Well, you know, this, these are kind of the, the this is the, the doldrums of the the DVD release schedule. Once summer rolls around, we start getting more interesting stuff, and we're going to be getting the King's Speech and a lot of other Oscar winners uh, in the coming weeks. So things are going to heat up. Things will heat up. Things will heat up. All right, uh, with that, we're going to wrap this up. Please uh, visit our Facebook pages at uh, for uh, DigiGods and for Stupid for Movies. Also visit Stupid for Movies Thursday nights, 8 o'clock Pacific time, our movie show. And uh, go to stupidformovies.com, streamandgarage.com, youtube.com slash stupidformovies. we got sites coming out of our eyes and ears. It's uh, We're a regular cottage industry as the DigiGods, aren't we? Aren't we? Uh, yeah. Yeah, thank you. You're the other half of this 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 game. I'm the cottage cheese. And we are canceled. So, good night oh. everybody. The end. <laughs> the end.